Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 38 of Unblocking Crypto. Some interesting news this week. First off, we'll start off with Aptos. It is officially launched. If you haven't heard of Aptos, don't worry. Not many people did hear much about it before it launched. It is deemed the Solana killer. It was formed by a bunch of ex-Meta employees. They say they were supposed to be able to hit 160,000 transactions per second. And this beginning phase of it, they're hitting four. Yes, that is four. Not, I did not say that wrong. Uh, so there's a lot of worry about what's going on there. Like 80% of the tokens are staked. So similar to Solana, they're worried that this could be a lot of VCs that are going to dump the tokens at some point once the price goes sky high. So be careful about this one, but probably it will, it will run up at some point. Uh, Algorand. We've talked about Algorand a lot in the past. Their total value locked just hit a new all-time high. It's interesting when you look at things. I mean, it's still a very small per- small piece, but they're at 270 million. The TVL for them, they're up about 269% year to date. If you compare that to Avalanche or Solana, both of those are down around 85% year to date. So seeing growth is exciting. They're also, it's interesting. We've talked about El Salvador in the past that has legalized Bitcoin as a legal currency. El Salvador is actually named Algorand as their official blockchain partner. So they're planning on using them for smart contracts in the future. And then in addition to all that, I'm sure the FIFA news has been helpful too. FIFA is actually launching their virtual ecosystem on the Roblox metaverse. They have options for, or they have plans for the women's event in 2023 after the World Cup later this year. And then they're also patenting some some things for the World Cup in 2026. Ethereum. Ethereum, we talked about it uh, about a month ago when it merged. What's interesting is within uh, less than a week, the supply of Ethereum could be less than what it was at the merge. So it kind of spiked up for a little bit, but it's been coming back down pretty consistently. And that would make Ethereum officially deflationary. Weird things going on. Azuki has been a, a huge NFT blue chip in the past. They are releasing what they're calling a physical backed tokens, which allows you to have decentralized ownership of physical goods. It'll be intriguing to see what happens with that. Brax Finance has announced in the next couple of weeks they could have a liquid staking protocol. For those of you that aren't aware, when you stake your Ethereum tokens, they are locked up until I think it's the next uh, upgrade. Although there are a couple of companies that are allowing you to get some version of liquidity for your stake tokens that you can use in the ecosystem in the meantime. So Frax Finance is the third, I think, to do this. And they are the first one that actually also has a stable coin. Their stable coin is a little bit different. We've talked about that in the past where some stable coins were either based on collateral or based on algorithms. Theirs is a combination of the two. So they do have collateral and they do have um, an algorithmic one. So it, it has been good so far. We'll see what happens in the near future, but it's exciting to see that they're moving into that space too. Fidelity Digital Assets, they continue to hire people. So even during this bear market, when you're seeing a lot of layoffs everywhere else, they're planning to add another 100 people in the next three or six months. Uh, That would grow them by about 25%. 
to almost 500 people. So they do see this being the time to kind of double down and, and get more involved. Good news from a Voyager perspective, there is a vote coming in around the end of November. This will be to determine what they give back to the people that held assets. They have sent out a spreadsheet for those people that have money that are, or crypto that is due back to them. What they're trying to do, it looks like, is get you about 72% back of what you had invested. So not 100%, but way better than zero. So if you uh, do want to vote, pay attention. November 29th, I think, is that official day. Block, the company formerly known as Square, they are investing into both their Bitcoin mining and to their wallet section. So they see, so they think that it makes sense for them to continue to invest into a next-gen ASIC for mining. And then they're also trying to do more on the wallet side to help people protect their Bitcoin once they get it. Exciting to see them investing there. NFTs. So what's interesting is there is a new player on the block from a marketplace perspective called Blur. If you've bought or sold any NFTs in the last six months, you can get an airdrop. There will be a larger airdrop that'll happen I think some point before January, although it's going to require you to list an NFT on Blur. Their goal is to be a marketplace for experienced NFT traders. They do say that they're about eight to 10x faster than a lot of the competition. And there's a couple other features in there. They will be incentivizing people to use their platform with some of their token that is due out at the beginning of the year. So worth probably taking a look at them shortly. BLUR.io is their website and cool stuff going on there. And then uh, last but not least, Warner Brothers is planning to release a Lord of the Rings NFT. And you might think that's exciting, although they are way behind from their peers in releasing NFTs. If you look at all the other ones that have done it already, Lionsgate has released Saw NFTs, Paramount has released Star Trek NFTs, AMC released The Walking Dead NFTs, and Netflix even released Stranger Things NFTs. Great they're getting into this, and we'll see what actually happens with all of it. Right now, it's only tradable on their own marketplace, but the hope is that they make this open so that you can use these NFTs anywhere in the world. That's all I got for this week. Pay attention to the Voyager vote coming up here in the next month, and we'll talk to you soon. Adam, welcome back to Unblocking Crypto. I'm glad you could join us again. Um, awesome. Yeah, this, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. So this week, I know we've we've talked a little bit in the past about Ethereum, and it has merged from proof of work to proof of stake. So I thought it might be kind of interesting to chat a little bit about that and what how that's changed the NFTs and, and some maybe hidden gems out there from the transition. Sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the merge happened for, and this is specific to Ethereum. We're not talking about other cryptocurrencies. So uh, at the heart of every cryptocurrency, there's a network of computers that sort of help secure software from attackers and stuff like that. And so these systems are called consensus mechanisms. And the two most popular ones are proof of work and proof of stake. So if I, so Bitcoin was designed to run on proof of work, right? And so back in the early nineties, this idea was sort of introduced where the idea behind proof of work as a consensus mechanism would be that miners sort of compete against each other. So these are like cryptography, like miners, like they have these series of computers that are set up. And what they're doing is that they're, they're competing with one another to solve these like really very complex math problems, right? And that's the idea of once you do that, that's called hashing. And these are really hard to solve, but they're easy to verify. 
once these miners complete these really difficult math problems, if they're correct and they're verified, then that miner is compensated so that it gives compensation and a reason for these people to actually create create this hashing and sort of verify these transactions that are taking place. Hence, that's but, why yeah. like the Bitcoin miners were trying to get faster and faster ASICs to solve these equations faster than anybody exactly. else. Exactly. So. They, uh, they're, they're, and then we, 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 you've probably talked about the, the having in the past where the reward that they're getting continues to be cut in half and it cuts supply and it, it, it does some economic type things and keeps some checks and balances there. So, so that's proof of work. Well, in, in 2012, proof of staking was, proof of stake was introduced. And this is a different format completely where the participation is determined by ownership of that coin supply. What ends up happening is that these, the owners that that are they're they're randomly selected or randomly elected owners and those are called nodes that they own and then they get to propose the next block in the chain and then assuming that they complete that and it's verified they complete that transaction it's verified then they would would be compensated as well and what ends up happening because it's based on ownership a lot of times you can stake you hear people talking about staking They'll take big chunks of crypto that they own and they'll work in partnerships and staking to earn these rewards and get returns. Tell me if I explain that sort of. Yeah, no. Yeah, so I think that makes sense. I mean, I guess you mentioned 2012 and Ethereum was not doing any sort of proof of staking back then, but there were other projects that were like Cardano kind of started out with staking. And maybe the other thing to even mention there is that when the nodes are staking they do have to front a bunch of ethereum and if they get caught trying to cheat the system they do lose some of their ethereum to make up for what they were doing so i I think that's called slashing right and so there's lots there's lots of checks and balances in place for all of these different or specifically for these consensus mechanisms but there's some there's some sort of offsets right so in my research i've found that proof of staking is more energy efficient significantly i think ethereum when they went to the merge, they cut off like, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like over 90% of their energy consumption was cut when they moved to proof of stake. Okay. And then proof of work is more secure, but it's significantly less efficient. So there's some, there's some cutoff, but the direction that we're moving in more green energy and more, you know, trying to get more mass adoption cryptocurrency, there's, there's some benefits to proof of stake and the energy efficiency model, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I would say the one other difference, uh, there's a lot of different proof of stakes, proof of staking out there. So like Ethereum, when you stake your Ethereum, it is pretty much locked up until I think the next upgrade, which we're not even sure when that's gonna officially happen, but there has been no way to do anything with those tokens. Whereas something like a Cardano, I think it's locked up for five days or something like that. So if you unlock it, you get it back. There are quite a few Ethereum projects, there's like three now, that will give you, uh, when you do stake that money, they'll give you kind of another token that's a liquid staking token that you can actually use to go interact with the rest of the ecosystem. So that that is kind of new and it is giving people the ability to use that money while it's staked, but that's kind of still a little leading edge in this space. Right, yeah, and I think we're gonna see a lot of improvements and changes in those processes in the next you know year or two obviously so the the ethereum merge specifically and when they when you hear the word merge it just means that they they put a a flag in the ground where they stop doing 
proof of work and they transitioned to proof of stake. And that happened on September 15th. And it reduced, you know, massive computing resources that's that are used uh, during the processing of crypto transactions, right? And so where we, this is where we kind of get into the NFT projects because the NFT projects that are on the Ethereum blockchain also switched from proof of work to proof of stake. And so there is a project that sort of saw this coming and created some engineering and some mathematical and some tactical efforts to try and make sure that they were the very final collection of Ethereum proof of work. There are no more full collections after this particular NFT project that we're going to talk about. This is the very last one. So there is some historical significance in this NFT. And um, they did what's called a, a screen mint. And so they, they used a website software called Premint to, to give access to this screen to a lot of their people that already owned NFTs in their projects. This is a group called Blockpack that has a lot of different NFT projects that, that are already in market and in, in, in the process. We've, I think we've actually talked about Blockpacks in different, different pod, podcasts before. But they have the indisputable, it's on record, it's on contract, you can see it, the final collection. And it's going to be called The Lost Miners. And there's some play on words there, obviously, because in proof of work, the people that were doing these complex computer, these uh, mathematical problems that they were solving, that was called mining. And so the whole, the plan word is lost miners. And what these NFTs are going to look like is pixelated 24 by 24 like square NFTs that, that are all different types of miners, male, female. They look like they're coal miners uh, or, you know, that, that kind of vibe. Uh, as of right now, they are just... Uh, claim passes. They're called lost miners claim passes. They just like a scroll. The actual artwork is just a scroll. And the floor price, the price of these NFTs obviously started at just gas for free and they've gone anywhere from 0.04. Now it's up to sitting right around 0.16. I think it got as high as 0.2, maybe a little bit higher than that. So considerably affordable when you think about the historical significance. Obviously, this is not investment advice, you know, all those disclaimers, but it's an interesting project and that's why we highlight it because it's the very last proof of work NFT project on the blockchain for any NFT. There's no one else that got to it or, or was able to mint their, you know, their project on that final on that final blockchain before the switch to proof of stake. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting too, when I looked a little bit into it, it almost seems like they are doing nothing or promising nothing other than just being that significant last NFT on proof of work, correct? Correct. So if you look at very early NFT projects that were all done on proof of work, some examples that come to mind are like the CryptoPunks. And these were just giveaways that were minted. I think they were like, I think 10,000. That was kind of like the big number that, that people used uh, early on. And those were just free. And now if you own a CryptoPunk, I mean, those are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars because of the historical significance of this very early NFT project. Now there's been hundreds of thousands of NFT projects since then that, that, are, that are not good. They're, they're not historically relevant. They're cash grabs or they just, just on merit don't, don't make the cut. And there's lots of projects that have significantly less, but there's lots of projects that have done very well and have real utility and provide value for, from a gaming standpoint, they, they, they get eyeballed because they're fun or interesting or entertaining. But this particular one, the Lost Miners, is one of those historical flag, 
flags in the ground where it's like, okay, this is the very last proof of work. Will it garner the attention of collectors? That's always a big question. And so you're speculating at this point as to whether it's, it's going to do that or not. But I, I just think it's interesting. I think it's worth talking about. I think it's worth sharing with people who might be interested or who might be excited about the collecting idea of it. So, so that's kind of the idea of what this NFT is. And then uh, if you want, I can go into some significant dates that are coming up. I think yeah. as, of, yeah, as of right now, uh, it's like late October. So if you're listening to this, keep that moment 2022. Yeah, no, I think that's it's always good to know. I mean, for the most part, I'm sure people listening to this, it's, it's probably too late <laughs> for a lot of them to jump into this, but it's good to yeah. know about things like this because history does usually repeat itself one way or the other. So understanding what happened in the past will be helpful in the future. Right, exactly. So this uh, particular project minted out, so all yeah, 10,000 of these as well. They will be revealing the artwork on these lost miners. Now, again, not that the artwork in itself can sometimes be a driving point. So a lot of NFT projects, as we've talked about in the past, will have unique artwork where it's, they're, they're one of ones in the sense that they look completely different than some of the other uh, more common looking NFTs. But they're all different. They're all completely different, but some are more valuable than others in, in a collector's eyes or more rare. And so that artwork will be revealing in late November. And it's important to keep note of this because the claim date is going to be announced 10 days prior. So sometime in late November, so in the next 30 days or so, and they're going to give a 10-day notice. But window to claim is only going to be six hours. So depending on where you're living in the world, if you're in Asia, if you're in the States, if you're in Europe, this is important because they might have this window from midnight to 6 a.m. Or they might have this, depending on where you live. And so if you don't claim your, your pass and reveal it, then it disappears. So they did this on purpose because they want to have a really smooth claim and reveal. They want all of the people that are really interested in it to claim their minor artwork, and then it'll reveal very quickly. They don't want this thing to kind of draw out. And it also creates some intrigue around it as well. So uh, the, the place where they would announce that would be in on their Twitter account. They also have a section in the Discord for Black Packs for just people who own these. And then after they reveal, they're gonna have a separate Discord. Again, they're also trying to create some more intrigue in their Black Packs products, but also make sure people know exactly when this is gonna happen. So like you said, there's a 10 day notice that they'll give. And then once they give that notice, they'll be peppering updates and messages. And then there'll be a six-hour window where you can actually go in and reveal your artwork. And then if you don't, like I said, it's gone. So interesting little me mechanisms. Yeah, it, it's really cool to hear that. And it creates a lot more scarcity. It is a little scary. So, yeah. I mean, if you if you miss it, it's gone. You've wasted yeah. whatever amount of money you spent on the the claim pass. So kind of crazy. Yeah. And so I, I, I kind of like that only because the people who are really excited about this or into it, will definitely be taking advantage of that. And it also creates some scarcity in the sense that that 10,000 number might move down to 7,000. So, you know, and then once you, once you get into that, assuming that this actually does become a historical reference point that collectors are very interested in, which I personally think they will, then there's even less of a supply because there's going to be a people who just don't care. They, maybe, they got a, maybe they got a free mint and they just forgot about it or maybe they're asleep or whatever. So there's going to be that occurrence for sure taking place but yeah so like i said again late november 2022 there'll be 10 day notice but again a six hour window 
kind of kind of an interesting way to bring the history of this very early adopter window that we're in right now. Uh, even though, and uh, I think you've been in crypto since before 2015 or so. I've been in since around 2016 or 17. That's, I mean, 2017 to 2022 is like a millennia in crypto conversation because of how much changes in the space and how quickly things shift. In the long run history of things, it's not a very long time, but in, in, in this world that we live in, it's a, it's, it's, it feels like it's been a millennia. Yeah, no, very true. And so I, I, that's super interesting. And I think one of the things that might be worth talking about real quick is a new NFT marketplace. We've talked a little bit about Blur in the past, and yep. you are the one of the ones that actually mentioned it to me. So maybe my ask is some insight into where Blur came from, if you're aware of it, and why you think it's beneficial in the future. Sure. So this is coming from a place of very, I wouldn't say small information, but I, but when I heard about it, I did some research on it and then uh, sort of acted on that because the claim window for some of the, the rewards that they're offering, I didn't want to miss it, right? There's a lot of FOMO in this space and, and they've done a good job of sort of creating this demand. So like OpenSea, which we've talked about in the past, which is an NFT marketplace, Blur.io be the website. It's another uh, new, more streamlined NFT marketplace. And the idea behind this is that they're trying to share more of the revenue that they create back to the people that are actually buying and selling on their platform. So what they did was they created a claim window, and I think it's actually still open for a few more days, if I'm correct, where they will take a snapshot of whatever wallet you use the most. That's the one you want to use on this particular. You might have multiple wallets that you've used a lot, but whatever has the most activity in the last six months, you connect your wallet to Blur.io, and they look at your last six months of activity, and they give you drop bonuses based on how much you spent. Let's say you spent 12 ETH or 20 ETH or whatever that number is in the last six months, percentage that they uh, they have an algorithm that, that decides that and then they drop you anywhere from one to hundreds of claim bonuses and these claim bonuses are represented as a graphic of a little crate and there's uncommon rare and legendary crates and obviously you have a much higher chance of getting an uncommon crate but there is a chance of, of getting rare and legendary crates uh, as you as you reveal and the way you reveal is by listing an nft that you own on their marketplace. Now, any wallet you have that has NFTs on it that you connect to a marketplace will recognize all the NFTs that you have. And depending on how well they've done at uh, documenting each of these projects, we'll have the artwork revealed, they'll have all the last pricing, all the, because it's all on the blockchain. And so as you list more NFTs for sale on their marketplace, over time, you'll be getting benefited more and more drop claims. We're in the first airdrop window. They have at least, I think, two more planned. Uh, the first airdrop was just your last six months of history. This next airdrop is going to be however many NFTs you list and sell on their platform. You're going to be getting great claim bonuses. And in December, those will reveal as a token called Blur. Now, how much Blur will be valued at is yet to be seen. There are other projects in the past that have tried at doing some type of reward. I think X2Y2 is another one where it started off really hot and then it kind of cooled off. They were offering these massive staking rewards for people to you know, stake on their platform. So it, it's yet to be seen whether or not Blur will, will catch fire and be a real contender for running, against, running up against OpenSea. 
the thing that they had going for them is they're fees are lower, they're very fast, and they have this sort of these hooks in place to keep people listing NFTs on their site with these claim drops. If December comes and these are worth significant or even nominal, but just they hold their value instead of just going to zero, you'll know for sure that people are taking this seriously because they don't want to miss out on the potential value of or being the next sort of big runner. So, did I explain that okay? Yeah, no, you explained a lot more than I think I knew. I think one of the reasons that I'm intrigued by them, I mean, they're, they're focused on saying that they are an NFT marketplace for pro traders. And if you right. look on how they do some of the things, there's a couple of pieces in there that I still don't 100% understand where OpenSea is kind of you just list it or you buy it off there. There's a couple other options that Blur does give. The interesting piece to me that I kind of like at Blur is it'll tell you your profit and loss for each project that you're into and whether it's realized or unrealized and things like that. So it's a pretty cool platform. And, and if the speeds are that much better and the fees are lower, then I do think that it does have some legs. I mean, that being said, <laughs> I liked Looks Rare back when it came up because it was competing and it seemed like a pretty cool solution comparable to OpenSea. OpenSea is definitely the first one in the market and they have been doing very well and growing quite a bit, but it doesn't mean that they can't have some competition. So uh, yeah, I agree. Really look, at, look at what yeah, look at what Coinbase did. Everyone thought Coinbase was gonna be the next massive marketplace. They did so much marketing, they spent so much time and energy trying to convince NFT projects that they were gonna be the you know the upper echelon place to go. And I'm, I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to make it. I haven't looked at it recently, but I never use them. I don't see it. I hear people mostly joking about the, the rollout and how successful it was. I think people still use Looks Rare and X2Y2 and a couple other as just ways to increase eyeballs on stuff that they're trying to sell. Uh, Blur is interesting from that standpoint. Like you said, there's a lot of features that make things happen faster. You can sell multiple, buy multiple, which OpenSea is starting to come around to doing a lot of these things that other people already have in place because they, I think they don't want to miss out on th that functionality that I think is really useful. But yeah, I'm definitely, I definitely have stuff listed on Blur. I'm definitely uh, looking at it every day to kind of see if, if there's new features that they're dropping or if, they're, if they're, their sale volume is up and that kind of stuff. And I think as we get closer to December, and they they do that first drop. We'll we'll know for sure if people do dump. And what dump. I like, yeah, you know, what I like is kind of what they're doing, which is gamifying the experience, right? So a lot of right. what you do, if you list, they're looking at your loyalty factor, how much you're listing on them versus OpenSea or other competitors as well. So it's a brilliant way to get more people to be focused on Blur because they have gamified it a lot more, and everybody loves to play games. So. I, I do think it does have some legs. I mean, time will tell with how the whole tokens thing comes out and how people benefit from buying and selling, having their token incentivized to do that, right? So it's still to be determined, but it's exciting to see that there's invention in these spaces, even though OpenSea's been around for a long time and no one really thought they could compete with them. Coinbase couldn't really. <laughs> so yeah. this is this is anybody, exciting. Yeah. If anybody was gonna do it, you, you thought it would be Coinbase. I think the mistake that Coinbase made was they maybe they this this might not be accurate this is my opinion maybe they thought they were too big to fail in the sense that so many people use coinbase but they tried to make and this is just again outside looking in i think they tried to make coinbase more of a social network 
there's like you could do comments and it was about like your profile a lot and i think a lot of people aren't really looking for another social network that's just kind of my take on it yeah i, I think coinbase is just too early right i mean yeah. coinbase tried to make it simple for the masses right and the masses aren't in nfts yet yeah, the, the so, vast majority of people that are using Coinbase probably don't really care about NFTs yet or are not really sure what to do with them or how to handle them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what Coinbase is doing could be good in the future, but right. most people now don't want to put their NFTs in some sort of centralized location for the most part and have Coinbase own it all. So, right. especially with what happened with Voyager and Celsius yep. and Hotelmont and all those things, all those guys today, right? That's exactly. become the the people that are in crypto are scared to put it anywhere and coinbase is saying oh trust us we're we're fine <laughs> yeah which is probably true right i mean coinbase is probably one of the better ones out there from that perspective but they something could still happen right so. exactly yeah we could do a whole nother podcast on wallet security and you know minting projects using burner wallets and transferring over to your main wallet and then cold storage and all that stuff i think we, we've probably talked a little bit about that in the past, but that, that probably deserves a whole, whole episode. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true because even buying and selling just regular tokens, you, you need to be doing things like that. But NFTs adds a little bit of a twist into that. So it would it would not be a bad idea to dive much further into that in the near future. Cool. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining. This is always... Yeah, man, I really appreciate having me on. I, think this is I come to you for all my NFT advice at this point. So... Uh, thanks for joining, <laughs> and we'll we'll talk again soon in, in the near term. Awesome. Thanks, James. See you. Thanks for journeying down the crypto rabbit hole with us. If you're interested in learning more about crypto, please join our private Facebook group, Unblocking Crypto. It's a small community discussing new ideas and just asking questions to learn more. Hope to interact with you there.